0: Last year, Cyclone Nargis swept onto Myanmar and left 130,000 people dead. It also destroyed the homes and livelihoods of hundreds of thousands, many of whom are still displaced and living in refugee camps. Their plight has been made worse by the government's handling of the relief effort. In August, Radio New Zealand's Joy Reid travelled to the Myanmar-Thai border to see the situation at first
1: hand.
2: government was, in fact, uh, their own people's worst enemy in in the midst of this disaster.
3: This is an example of how the Burmese military neglects its people. This is a crime against humanity. They're trying to kill their own people.
1: I would say that we'd be looking at several years of real poverty for that whole area and possibly for wider Burma.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Entire villages were virtually washed away in a massive storm surge. The,
4: the scale of the, the natural 20, disaster uh, facing Burma means the numbers are simply bewildering. The United Nations says up to two and a half million people were severely affected by
1: the Myanmar's storm. Myanmar's government has sharply raised its death toll from Cyclone Nargis to almost 78,000. State television says another 56,000...
0: Life drastically changed at the beginning of May for two and a half million people living in the Irrawaddy Delta. 140,000 were either killed or are still missing. And the Category 4 storm tore a path of destruction totaling 4 billion US dollars, nearly as much as the 2004 tsunami in Indonesia.
5: A big wave uh, came all of a sudden, so knocked them uh, all down. He was trying to. Swim with his, uh, you know, uh, lift his uh, daughter above the surface. He himself under the surface, and, you know, and once in a while he came up for breathing, things like that. But uh, after a while, you know, he thought he would die, but um, there was a lock. He got a tree trunk thing, so they were uh, hanging on that uh, tree trunk.
0: Survivor Saul Lola is a local chief from the worst affected area in the Delta, Laputa. Six of them survived, uh, his relative. Out of how many people?
5: Fifteen of them, uh, yeah, lost.
6: Day one of
5: Cyclone, until they reached here, they didn't receive anything. The military uh, chopper came every day passing them by they try to make signs out of uh, the rice back and with long bamboo like flag waving to those uh, choppers but uh, nobody cared you know no no food received no nothing
0: was he surprised by the government's reaction uh,
5: he was very very much surprised actually uh, for a moment he thought uh, other human being you know as a human being with sympathy and love for, his, uh, for their own citizens. And he didn't even understand why they uh, did not give help and also blocked help.
0: Foreign aid agencies in Myanmar say about 250,000 people still have not received any help a month this after cyclone, international
2: aid agency struggled to uh, get help to cyclone-stricken Myanmar. As so far, the
0: military regime there has not agreed to allow foreigners to enter the so country. disbelief was expressed internationally, and the military government's paranoid attitude towards aid is still having an impact. When Cyclone Nargis hit, the Burmese military government sealed off its borders to foreign aid in a bid to stop information leaking out. Now one of those borders was this one on the edge of the Burmese town at Miawadi. It's far enough north that the town survived the cyclone, but it became an important hub for relief efforts. The only thing that separates Thailand and Burma here is a dirty brown river which is about 50 metres wide. There's no fences or barriers and while there's heavy police presence on the border bridge connecting the two countries, some aid was able to be smuggled in across in small boats further down the river here. Four and a half months on and restrictions on aid have eased. However, relief worker for the Christian group Ethnos, Kevin Chan, says permission to travel down to the Delta region still takes many days and does not allow the full access required to reach all at risk.
6: The, when they say that aid workers are allowed in there, they're allowed into the major cities, but from the major or the bigger towns in the area, they're not allowed out into the small villages where the aid actually is required. Um, so a lot of organisations like us from the beginning, are now starting to use um, locals to go out and do the the legwork for them.
0: Near on a 1,000 international aid workers have been granted visas into Myanmar, a surprising number given the initial resistance, according to Myanmar expert Nicholas Farrelly, a researcher at the Australian National University.
4: While the aid workers who are currently working inside Burma don't have full freedom of movement or of action, They are there in numbers that are unprecedented in the last 40 something years of Burmese history.
0: But it's not enough. Thousands of people still haven't seen any form of humanitarian assistance. They've effectively been ignored and left to fend for themselves. Man Man is part of the emergency assistance team, a team of local people backed by Western charities who are working at a grassroots level with affected communities and those not yet reached by the international
6: community. Because the government uh, or UN the government
3: and aid agencies have not reached the most affected areas, only those near the towns, as it's very difficult and dangerous to cross the swollen rivers. The people in the most affected areas have still not received any assistance.
0: But he claims much of the aid does not get through because of deliberate action against the minority ethnic group, the Karen. The Burmese government and the Karen tribe's relationship has been fraught with difficulty over the years, with the Karen providing the longest and most consistent resistance to military rule. That's resulted in continuous conflict between the two sides. Nicholas Farrelly says the reaction to the cyclone amounts to another attack.
4: In delta areas there are large numbers of Karen who were badly affected by the cyclone. Some of those areas are the most remote parts of the delta and it's very difficult for aid workers to get to some of these places. All of this plays into the hands of the Burmese government in its decades-long campaign against the Karen and against their revolutionary movements.
0: Hello. Hello. This young relief worker has just returned from a trip to the Delta. Insights agreed not to reveal his name for his own safety, but instead will call him So Ha He says if help is near those who need it, many of the Karen are denied access to it.
2: The
7: government said, OK, these towns, you can come and get your rations of rice on, on this day. And so they would, they would rally to get a boat together and travel half a day on the boat to get their rice. But then they arrive, and the, and the government official says, oh, no, your rice is not here. Maybe try at this other place. So they go to this other place. And then again, they, they told, no, not here. Try another place. And they don't end up with any rice.
0: He sees the lack of aid as a form of genocide.
7: I think you could say it is a type of ethnic cleansing. The SBDC has been, authorities have been known to say that there are a lot of bullets for the Korean people on the eastern border. However, they don't need bullets for the Korean in the Delta region because the cyclone will take care of them.
0: Relief efforts to these regions have effectively been left to a dedicated few Burmese illegally smuggling to the needy. But conditions are challenging, with transport boats overturning in the swollen waterways on a journey to the remote delta towns. Stu Collette of Christian Aid Organisation Partners Relief and Development New Zealand says it's a dangerous job.
1: When you go into that delta area, uh, there are military checkpoints all over the place. Uh, If you are found to be delivering aid illegally... Uh, then you are likely to be arrested. Uh, shipments are being being taken and then are put into government hands. We don't know what happens to those shipments after that point.
0: So, how risky is it for people to be working in the delta without putting the relief efforts through the government channels?
1: Incredibly risky, uh, life-threatening.
0: It's these ongoing humanitarian efforts which, Soe says, are keeping people alive.
7: People are not dying at the moment because they are getting the secret food provided by the religious organisations. However, they are malnourished and uh, if it continues like this, the conditions will get worse and worse and worse because there is not enough food and nourishment for the people.
0: But Man Man of the emergency assistance team, who is also a Karen, says reaching the worst affected areas of the delta is only half the problem. Getting the much needed goods into Myanmar is the other
5: so most, of the, the most of the aid has
3: to pass through the government. You can't legally donate directly to the survivors. We don't know if the aid gets there, as there's a lot of corruption, and sometimes they're making the Nagas victims pay a small tax before they can receive any aid.
0: The military regime also appears to be benefiting from the money flowing in, as Nicholas Farrelly explains.
4: With the funds that have flowed into the country after the cyclone, there has... Been an attempt on the part of the Burmese government to use an advantageous exchange rate that allows them to take a slice of all donated funds and put it into government coffers.
0: Last month the UN estimated $2.3 million in international aid was lost due to the military regime's complex foreign currency rules. And some of the donated aid is also turning up in the marketplace. This doctor needs his identity to remain a secret.
2: The relief supplies that had been brought in by then uh, for the people, in fact, were showing up in the marketplace in Rangoon for sale, meaning that someone had confiscated them, sold them, and uh, we're now seeing goods in the market we've never seen before, and they are of the nature of the items that we were told were brought into the country for relief purposes.
0: However, World Vision's Pamela Sitko, who is based in Bangkok, says their aid is getting through. World Vision personally has not experienced that. Is it
8: something that you've had to be
0: quite careful about though?
8: It's something that you want to monitor and control in every emergency, and that's why we use our own processes, we use our own tracking systems, because we want to be accountable and transparent, both to the donor community and to the people who are intended recipients of the aid.
0: Those working in Myanmar paint a dismal picture of what life is still like in the areas hit by the cyclone. Livestock numbers have been decimated, rice paddies ruined by salt water, nearly half a million homes destroyed. Not only did the winds and rain wreak havoc, but an accompanying tidal surge swamped low-lying villages and swept away most of the Delta's infrastructure, including 4,000 roads, schools and 75% of the region's hospitals. Pamela Sitko. Damage to that extent sends a community
8: reeling. Um, in a lot of areas in the Delta, entire towns of 20,000 people were completely wiped out. The other thing to take into consideration is that when health clinics were also washed away so were the staff, so now you've got a 10 percent shortage in um, health focused staff
0: in the country. This doctor says as aid is delayed, lives will be lost as surviving communities remain unprotected against outbreaks of disease.
2: Malnutrition and exposure uh, have caused a great deal of discomfort and although there's no way to account for them, undoubtedly, additional deaths. Here are people who live in an area where malaria is common, it's the rainy season, water and mosquitoes are everywhere. Many of them have no shelter of any kind, no mosquito nets. Uh, many of them have no access to medicine still. Uh, so yes, there will be continuing increased uh, number of deaths for the indefinite future, so long as these people are unreached.
0: Already some towns have reported outbreaks of dinghy fever, and relief worker Kevin Chan says decaying bodies remain unburied.
6: Dead bodies were still floating around. Uh, We've heard many reports about um, the Burmese sending people to clear the dead bodies, but they ended up just picking off the jewellery, the watches, that kind of thing, and and chucking the dead bodies in the sea, Uh, which of course then floated back to land and continued to uh, pollute the rivers.
1: But Pamela Sitko says the
0: major focus right now is to try to restore a sense of normality to the delta, which was the rice-producing hub of Myanmar, the country once known as the rice bowl of Asia.
8: A lot of the fields have been corrupted with salt water. After the cyclone hit, there was a giant sea surge, and so it's like a tidal wave that washes over the fields, and um, unless the seeds are salt-resistant, they just simply won't grow. So... There is a real need to focus on livelihood recovery. Uh, The planting season is ending at the end of this month, and without seeds in the ground, that means that people miss out on another harvest, and that means that we have to continue. The, The aid, the donor community has to continue providing people with food because there is no alternative. There is nothing else to eat.
0: Pamela Sitko says the lack of rice is a debilitating issue. There's not nearly as much plantable land available as there was pre-Cyclone and the World Food Programme estimates 700,000 people will need food assistance until livelihoods are restored. But Stuart Collette of Partners Relief and Development New Zealand says that could be years away. Are we where things should be after a general disaster or are things being severely hampered?
1: Absolutely not. Uh, Nowhere near where there should be more than half of the people are without uh, what they need to survive. I would say that we'd be looking at several years of real poverty for that whole area and possibly for wider Burma.
0: Shift refugee camps were set up after the cyclone by various religious groups, humanitarian groups, and the government. However, Soha Soe says within a few weeks the military regime began forcing people to return home and then abandoned them.
7: The government believe that at this time that they have spent in the camps is enough for their re- rehabilitation and it's time for them to go back. So they they used 11 buses and with no plan on what to do, they just drove the people back to where they previously were and dropped them off. The government gave the people 32 cups of rice for a family, but the problem is that a worker will eat two and a half cups of rice in each day, and so therefore 32 cups of rice will last about two weeks for a family, and then they have nothing.
0: Many are returning to scuffles over land ownership, Relief worker Mun Mun says during the vicious storm, their documents were washed away, and that's proving problematic.
3: Some people people have lost their land as they no longer have their land registration papers. When they return to their homes, they find that other companies have taken over their properties, and they have no way to prove that they are the original owners.
0: There are now reports of the government confiscating land, people claiming land they do not own, and others having to pay for the land they already owned. Children's documents were also washed away in the storm, and that's preventing some from returning to school. For many of those who lost their parents, the future is bleak. Relief worker Kevin Chan says there are reports children left on their own are taken to army headquarters to serve as soldiers. Others end up as child prostitutes.
6: A lot of unaccompanied children end up being taken in by the police or by the army. Um, Burma has the most number of child soldiers of any country in the world.
0: Those in Yangon say both adult and child prostitution has increased since the cyclone with an influx of people from the Delta region. While the impact of the cyclone has been devastating, the reality is life in Myanmar for many was difficult before the cyclone. The population has now lived under a restrictive and repressive military regime for more than 45 years. This is how aid worker Kevin Chan sees the situation.
6: The cyclone is just a symptom of a much deeper issue of the, the military junta. Burma is not a country with an army; it's an army with a country, um, and so the whole country exists for the army.
0: May's cyclone Nargis played its part in the deterioration. However, most of the country's downward spiral has been man-made.
6: This is a country that has that used to be the richest country in Southeast Asia. This is a country that has so much natural resources that uh, it could feed their population, take care of the, all their population several times over. Uh, But right now all that wealth is being taken up by a few generals who have warehouses of gold in Rangoon. The evil in that place is is just nuts.
0: (laughs) It now does its best to shut out the world. It's near impossible for a foreign journalist to get into Myanmar, let alone down to the Delta region, but I can now officially say that I am on Myanmar soil. I've come in as a tourist, not mentioning at all that I'm a journalist, and I had to leave my passport with the Burmese police at the border. Now, this was to ensure that I do leave this evening. Now, I'm under strict instructions that we're to be gone by 5pm tonight. No tourists are allowed to stay in the Myawaddy area any longer than one day. Well, the first thing that strikes me about Myanmar is its poverty. As soon as I crossed over the border bridge, it became immediately evident. There's a very depressive feel about this place. The locals' clothes are very basic, some are even without shoes. And all the roads off this main road here are full of potholes. And there's hardly any cars here on the roads. People instead are either walking in this 36 degree heat or being pushed in trolley-like bicycles. There's numerous beggars in the streets as well and there's a terrible stench in the local market dead rats lying on the ground. It's a completely different feel to Thailand, which is literally just across the river. The United Nations estimates more than a third of Burmese children are malnourished. It's one of the world's ten poorest nations, with statistics showing the military regime spends up to 50% of its gross domestic product on the army, and less than 2% is spent on health and education. The military regime in Myanmar also stands accused of severe human rights violations against its people.
4: In recent years the Burmese military has, particularly in areas along the border between Thailand and Burma, been attempting to implement a campaign that will deny all support to the armed groups that are struggling on behalf of some of the minority peoples who live along that border. there have been many well-documented cases where the Burmese military has abused and exploited local peoples, sometimes with horrifying consequences.
0: There's also ongoing tension between the Burmese army and the rebel group, the Korean National Union, with recent counter-attacks by the independence movement killing many, including civilians, such as the bombing of a video cafe last week. Hundreds of thousands are fleeing to the jungle, or if they're lucky, across the border into the refugee camps which line the border with Thailand.
6: hop
0: in the back? OK. Well at the moment we're travelling on a Thai open ute as we head north to the largest Burmese refugee camp here on the border of Burma and Thailand. Uh, it's called Mailar and houses about 40,000 uh, refugees. Now we've had to keep very quiet uh, about our travel plans to come here as technically it's actually illegal for foreigners to enter this camp. Well, we've made it inside this Mailar refugee camp, which is the largest of seven camps on the Thai side of the Myanmar-Thai border. 40,000 refugees live here in a space which was originally only designed for about 6,000 people. A few years ago it got up to 60,000 there are problems here with overcrowding. There's also a big problem with hygiene. The septic tanks are full. Water supplies often from a small river which is brown and dirty and fast depleting its supply.
6: Run away. <laughs> Run away. Yeah. Run away.
5: This one we've got uh, a bit of chili.
0: Pastor Robert Hui lives in the we, Thai border, find border find town the, uh, of Mesot. He works with Africa. the refugees, most of whom are Karen.
5: Many
3: people they are coming to Thailand as many of their houses and villages have been burnt down, people have been killed, and the Burmese military have put up landmines. We are afraid of the landmines. If we stay in the village, we are forced to be porters and to carry food for military. So many people have fled to Thailand. Thailand.
0: The claims about food and other aid not being distributed to the Karen people, who make up a third of the population in the cyclone-affected area, appear to be the latest action against this ethnic grouping. But many have been fleeing, claiming torture and persecution for years. Hebrew, who is Karen, escaped to the Melar refugee camp in March, walking for a month through mountainous
5: terrain. He was caught and tortured because uh, because because uh, they accused him of giving food to the k n u So he saw the whole village, you know, torched, burned down, and that one, So and then uh, four of his friends at Mijalan Sakabwe, were taken. Chapuke, Chapuke. You know, they were the accused and shot dead, uh, you know. Uh, The last person I mentioned, Chapuke. you know, they shot him but, uh, you know, not fired. Maybe the bullet jammed or something, so they uh, knifed him, I mean, cut his throat and killed him like that.
0: Myanmar's ambassador to Australia, the closest to New Zealand, was not prepared to make himself available for an interview. However, expert Nicholas Farrelly says the military regime staunchly defends itself and its actions.
4: If you were to ask the Burmese generals themselves what was positive about their rule of the country, they would, I'm sure, assert that they see themselves as nationalists, as leaders who have brought pride back to their land. In reality, the propaganda that the Burmese generals feed themselves is but the tiniest fraction of the full story.
0: But despite this, the Burmese people are proving themselves to be resilient and courageous in the wake of Cyclone Nargis. Communities are banding together to help rebuild each other's lives.
6: The heroes of this uh, situation are the Burmese people. They've lived in in such poverty, under such oppression for so long uh, that this is just another, another thing that's happened. They are incredibly tough people. Um, I've seen that time and time again where situations that would knock down someone from you know, somewhere else, uh, but over there they've just toughened up and got on with it. Somehow in, in a situation that most other people would call hopeless, they find hope.
0: But the calls from the international community for more help for the people of Myanmar are as strong as ever.
6: You
1: don't have to be a rocket scientist to see what's going on. Anybody who can refuse international aid so that people die, there's got to be something wrong with those people. It's a question of international human rights. These people are being brutalized, and we need to help them.
6: Burmese
3: people are all really suffering a humanitarian crisis. We need the international community's help, but they need to work with the local community. If they don't, the humanitarian crisis in Burma will get worse.
8: It takes a long time for recovery to happen, um, for people to rebuild their homes. So we expect, we anticipate the road to recovery will be a long one indeed.
0: That programme was written and presented by Joy Reed. It was first broadcast in September.